Good morning. Thank you for worshiping with us. Mission of Hope, we're so glad that you guys are, are here with us. It's great to have you. We're not, when you're in the family of God, it doesn't matter what church membership you got. We just want you here worshiping with us. Uh, so, night of, uh, of worship, we want to go ahead and give you the announcements today. So, next weekend, next Sunday night, we're going to be partnering with Moffat Road Baptist Church out in the wilds of Sims, you know. Uh, no, uh, so, we're going we're gonna to take them and get him, them here. So, uh, Sunday night, July 23rd, 6 p.m., right here at Luke 14 Fellowship, we're going to have a night of worship with a joint a mass choir uh, with Moffat Road Baptist Church. And we're going to be singing songs uh, about, just about life and the rhythms of grace that we have and how we can see uh, a way to praise the Lord in every single season. We're going to be combining the orchestra, the choir, our soloists, the praise team. Uh, it is going to be just a, a wonderful night to praise the Lord together. We want you and your 50 of your closest friends uh, to join us for that evening. So please, please do that. I know our choir is excited to sing with our brothers and sisters in Christ there. Uh, so the second thing that we have is a senior adult luncheon that's going to be at Cracker Barrel on Schillinger's Road, okay? Uh, and if you go to the other Cracker Barrel that's not on Schillinger's Road, you can still eat there, but we won't be there. Uh, so please go ahead and sign up at the events table so that we know how many people are going to be there, okay? And the last thing that I want to tell you guys today uh, is that our kids have been going nonstop this summer, and they are not stopping now. We have uh, our kids' adventure weekend coming up, and it's almost like a mini kids' camp. Uh, We're going to have the kids uh, going to the zoo, Hattiesburg Zoo, on Friday, July 21st. And then uh, they're going to go on Saturday at Luke 14, and I think in the Fellowship Hall from 9.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m., that's going to have lunch included. They're going to have worship. They're going to have Bible study. Uh, they're going to have fun games and a great time with Miss Melanie and her team. Uh, and on Sunday morning, they're going to end the whole weekend with a great pancake breakfast at 9 a.m. And they'll have their last session of Adventure Weekend. So we had Kids Discovery Camp. And now we're having Kids Adventure Weekend. We want you uh, to go ahead and get everything signed up. You can register for that online. So go to our website and register for Kids Adventure Weekend. Uh, It's going to be a great day to praise the Lord, and you know it's going to be a great day when we start with baptism. So if you will direct uh, your eyes to the baptistry, we will have baptism this morning. Well, good morning. Together and celebrate baptism. Jesus to be the Lord. And she said, Brother Matthew, I'm ready to be baptized. What do I have to do for that? And I said, Well, you just tell us a Sunday. You understand what it means, and then we'll go forward with, with baptism that Sunday. And so Dalen is coming to us today professing her faith in Christ. So, Dalen, have you accepted Christ as Lord and Savior of your life? Amen. Well, my sister, I buried him like he is. Raised to walk, Miss of Walk. Amen. 
Amen. That is a sign of a life that has been completely and totally changed. And we pray that if you have not met the Lord Jesus, if you, if you have not submitted to his lordship, today's a great day to do that. Uh, and any of our pastors or any of these uh, that say they are Christians today would love to talk to you about that. Why don't you stand, greet somebody around you, uh, and welcome them to Luke 14 Fellowship as we sing today. These are the days of Elijah, declaring the word of the Lord. And these are the days of your servant, Moses, righteousness being restored. And though these are days of great trials, of famine and darkness and sword, still we are the voice in the desert crying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Sing it today. Behold, he comes riding on clouds, shining like the sun. And these are the days of Ezekiel, the dry bones becoming as flesh. And these are the days of your servant David, rebuilding the temple of praise. Amen. And these are the days of the harvest, the fields are as white as the are the laborers in your vineyard declaring the word of the Lord. Sing it out. Behold, he comes riding on clouds, shining like the sun. He is holy. He is provider. Let's sing about our God, Jehovah. There is no God like 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 Jehovah. Behold, He comes riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. At the trumpet, go lift your voice. It's a year of jubilee. Out of Zion until salvation comes. Oh, he comes. And out. And out of Zion until salvation comes.
hands. Amen. Yes. We're going to go forward today and we're going to sing to the King. Now he's coming on the clouds. One day those will open up and we'll see him face to face. And we have a job to do together as the body of Christ as we go. Sing to the King who is coming to reign. Glory to Jesus, the Lamb that was slain. Life and salvation, His empire shall bring. And joy to the nations when Let's sing all that again. Sing to the King who's coming to reign. Sing to the King who is coming to reign. Glory to Jesus, the Lamb that was slain. Life and salvation, His empire shall bring. And joy to Come, let us sing a song, a song declaring that we belong to Jesus. He is all we need. And lift up a heart of praise and sing now with voices raised to Jesus. Sing to the watch we pray for his return for his return we watch and we pray we will be ready the dawn of that day we'll join in singing with all the redeemed sing this cause Satan is Let's sing that chorus one more time. Come, let us sing. Come, let us sing a song, a song declaring that we belong to Jesus. He is all we need. Do you believe that this morning? Lift up a heart of praise. Sing now with voices raised to Jesus. Just give him praise today. Let's say that one more time. Sing to the King. Sing to the King. Amen. Yes. You can be seated as we continue in worship today. So Brother Randy is going to be bringing us our, our message today. Uh, so excited about that. We're going to be in First First Peter, where we have found out that we 
have a living hope in Christ Jesus, right? And then we're going to have him say, what are we to do in response to the hope that we found in him? And so we've talked about that in these first two songs that we've already sung, right? So we, we say, sing to the king because he's worthy of praise. We say, these are the days of Elijah, the day of the harvest. We're looking forward to his return. But we also praise the Lord for what he has done in our lives. Amen. Psalm 107 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His loving kindness is everlasting. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from the hand of the adversary. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His loving kindness and for His wonders to the sons of men. Let's praise God for being so good to us today. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me All my days I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head I will sing Of the goodness of God Sing all my life and all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Sing, I love your voice. I love your voice You have led me through the fire In darkest night You are close like no other Sing this out I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend And I have lived in the goodness of God This is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Say it again, your goodness. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after running after me with my life laid down I surrender now I give you everything your goodness is running after running after me and all my life you have been 
paid it all today. I hear the Savior say, 
Father, we are so thankful, so incredibly thankful for what you have done for us on the cross. When we had no hope, you are the one that gave us hope, a living hope that will never pass away. We pray that today that we would walk in a manner that would be worthy of the gospel, not making decisions on on a whim or on emotion only, Lord, but on your word, on your revealed word to us, that we would be obey your commandments, that we would go to all the world baptizing them, making disciples and teaching them all that you've commanded. Carrying that message that you are the way, you are the truth and that you are the life, that you're all that we need. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Exciting to be in the house of the Lord this morning, and we have special guests here as we do from time to time. And I want to welcome the Mission of Hope. Let's give them a hand. Also, want to introduce. Let me get you a microphone. Come on over. It's Grant McLean. He's the executive director of Mission of Hope. We've invited him to come and just share just a little bit with us this morning about. Our partnership with them, what happens out there, I, I know that most of you know that we support them monthly. This has been a partnership we've had for a long time, but Grant, share with us this morning about what goes on. Thank you very much, church family, for being a partner in the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ at the Mission of Hope. Paul thanked uh, the Philippian church for their partnership in Philippians chapter 1, and truly, we can't do it without you. As uh, a minister of the gospel myself, been pastoring for many years, came to the mission last year uh, to take part of in the ministry that we have sharing in the 90-day program uh, to lead men and women to Christ. We have two campuses, uh, one here in West Mobile, and the other one for the ladies is in Mount Vernon, Alabama. 
and you graciously support uh, the ministry of the Mission of Hope uh, financially every month. And uh, some of your team comes to the mission to present the gospel. And and truly, uh, that is a great impact on the men as well. And so we loved uh, the partnership that we have uh, with Luke 418 Fellowship. And we thank you from the bottom of our hearts for sharing in the gospel ministry with us and every lives, every life that has been touched at the Mission of Hope, you've got a part in it because you're partners with us and we so appreciate it very much. Thank you so much. It is a great ministry and we enjoy uh, seeing you guys here this morning. I hope it's a blessing for you. Well, a couple of weeks ago, Brother Matthew uh, was in First Peter chapter 1, and he did verses 1 through 12, and Brother David had asked me to uh, open God's Word this morning, and Brother David said he wanted me to preach so that when he got back in town that y'all would be thankful that he had returned. <laughs> I told Brother David I was just going to tell my favorite Brother David stories, and he got a little bit nervous. Um... I'm excited to share with you guys that uh, he's, you know that he's been on sabbatical for a week now. Uh, he literally has climbed up on a mountain by himself with his Bible and is spending time uh, with the Lord. So be in prayer for him that the Lord would speak to him and renew him and refresh him uh, while he is away. Well, two weeks ago, Brother Matthew was in 1 Peter 1, verses 1 through 12, uh, while we were serving in Alaska, and he talked about the theological and doctrinal implications of our salvation, uh, that as believers, all the promises that we have through Christ Jesus, that we are exiles here on this earth, um, that we have an inheritance reserved for us in heaven, that the Lord is worthy, and he's called us to a living hope. And that we can rejoice even in the midst of trials of life. Uh, we continue this morning in First Peter. Uh, as First Peter shifts to the imperative voice. And he begins to give some commands. Some obligations to each of us to work out our salvation. A shift from the doctrinal to the practical. A building on the truth that we see in verses 1 through 12. When we heard a couple of weeks ago. Now what do we do with these truths as children of God what are we going to do with these truths so pick up with me in verse 13 and we see uh, Peter say therefore prepare your minds for action uh, we the therefore we know is because of verses 1 through 12 everything that we've learned about the living hope that we have in him the, the truth that we have the most high God and we we are in him because of the sacrifice of his son on the cross now he begins to discuss the command for us to prepare our minds. Now, what does it look like to prepare your mind? What does it look like to prepare your mind? Um, have you ever faced something really huge and you just had to wrap your mind around it for a little bit? You just had to, to dwell on it a little bit before you were ready. Maybe it was a big interview. You had to think about the questions, what your response might be. I remember once I was going to go skydiving. Um, I had some high school students that would graduate. They were in college. They wanted to go skydiving. And so we got to the airport and I saw this tiny little plane and I had to sit down and I just had to think about it for a little bit. I had to consider whether I was really going to get in this plane and go up and jump out of this plane. Some of you are thinking maybe I should have prepared my mind a little bit more, but I didn't. I went and I jumped out of that plane. 
I remember when I determined that I was going to run a marathon. I had to sit down and just to think through what is it going to take for me to train for weeks and months and even a year to be ready to, to run this race. Because I had to prepare my mind for the rainy days, for the day that I just didn't want to get up, for the cold day, for the day that I was sore. I had to prepare to determine whether I was going to do what it is that I had set out to do. When I read the response here in First Peter, my thought goes to Colossians chapter 3. Y'all have heard me speak of these four verses many times. Therefore, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things of earth. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you will be revealed with him in glory. If we've been raised with Christ, if we've accepted the salvation that comes from Christ Jesus, we're told to be seeking the things that are above That our mind and our eyes should be on kingdom focus. It's an ongoing keep seeking. But also to set our minds on things above. To fix our minds on eternal matters. Just like Peter is saying, we've got to dwell upon the eternal perspective. Not on the earthly things. It's so easy to be distracted with earthly things. It's so easy with social media and, and to look at other people's lives and, and to look at the world around us. But he says to not to worry about the earthly things, but to worry about the kingdom things. For we have died and our life is now hidden with God. And the question becomes, have we died to ourselves, Or are we still dying to ourselves? Because the truth is, it's very easy to live for ourselves and to get mixed up in that. But that is... When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. That's the living hope that we heard from Brother Matthew two weeks ago in verses 1 through 12. When Christ, who is your life, who is your everything, appears, we will spend all of eternity with him in glory. And that's the promise, the living hope that we have that Peter is outlining. And Peter's stating the same concept for us to prepare our minds that Paul was saying in, in Colossians. But, but he's saying prepare your minds for action. That, that hits a little bit home, closer to home for us. Peter's saying that we must do something. Not to be accepted by God. But because we've already been accepted by God. You see, do we do good things in order to be saved from our sins? By no means. We're all sinners and apart from the shedding of blood there's no remission of sins. We do good things because we are so grateful for the undeserved salvation that we have in the Lord. That he has provided for us on the cross. The obedient life, the action that Peter is talking about is based on our overwhelming gratitude for all he has accomplished on our behalf. Let me share you a story about one of my children, my oldest son, William. He and I have been through a lot over the years. He's one of my high-maintenance kids. I have three of them. Um, but he, he had his car in the shop, and so he was driving my car. And uh, as happens sometimes when I'm driving, uh, the gas light came on, and he found himself in a situation that he couldn't get home with the amount of gas he had. And so he said, I'll stop and gas up Dad's car. Now, William has two cards in his wallet. One is his debit card, 
which comes out of his checking account, and one is a credit card that he uses of mine in emergencies. And until this day, he had always used my emergency card. But he decided that day, you know what? Dad has done so much for me. I'm going to gas up his car, and I'm going to put it on my card. You can tell he's got a summer job and had a, a little something of a nest egg built up. So he's pumping the gas, and it gets to 15, it gets to 20, it gets to 25. Well, that's about where his car is full. He looks at the tank, and it's not even to halfway yet. <laughs> and he's like, what have I done? So he fills up the tank, and he says, I'm not going to tell Dad. I, wanna, I just want to bless him. Now, he didn't do that. Out of obligation, he had a card he could have used. He did that because he knew how much I loved him. I hope all three of my kids know that. But how much more do you and I have in Christ Jesus? How much more do you and I have in our love for our Father? Right? It's kind of what is, what is that motivation for us? William has a flawed, imperfect father that lets him down all the time. But we have a perfect Father in heaven who has provided for us to be forgiven of our sins long before the foundation of the world. He loved us enough to send His one and only Son as a propitiation for our sins. And He demonstrated His love with His unlimited patience in our lives over and over so that we might enjoy all that He has purchased for us through the cross of Christ. See, we don't have to work up in ourselves a will to action we just have to dwell on who he is and who he has been on our behalf so that we can prepare our minds and think about him and be ready to serve and obey him and love him day by day but peter doesn't stop just by calling us to prepare our minds to action he goes on and adds to keep sober in spirit Literally, do not become intoxicated or lose control of your thoughts or actions. Don't lose spiritual control, right? By imbibing the world's sinful ways. We're surrounded by a sinful world. It's hard because we live in the world, but we are not of the world, right? We talked about that in verses 1 through 12. This, this world is not our home. One day we will be rescued from here. But we are still in this place. But one day we have a future reserved for us. But the things of this world are tempting. We are surrounded by desires for success. We are surrounded by pressures all around us. And this generation is growing up with a device in their hands that that pulls their attentions away from the eternal things. We get notifications. We get a just a, a little vibration. Some of you, even in this message, have already gotten something and looked down just to see what popped in. And, and the enemy has pulled our mind away from the things of eternity in order to look at this world. And we've got to set our mind on things above. Brother Al's message last week on contentment was so rich. Because we can be so easily distracted by this world that we become entangled by the things of this world. But Peter warns us here to keep sober in spirit. Just like in Galatians 5, verse 16 and 17. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another. So that you may not do the things that you please. 
We're not only called to prepare our minds to action, but to keep sober in spirit, but also to fix our hope completely on the grace to be brought to us in the revelation of Christ Jesus. To fix our hope, to set it and don't let it move. Now, what is our hope as a believer? He's writing to the Christians. What is our hope as a Christian? It's our attitude towards the future, right? As Brother Matthew shared so clearly two weeks ago, our future is bright. It is not a hope of something that we're unsure of. It is certain. Look, look back with me in 1 Peter 1, beginning in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, is undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for the salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. Friends, when we look at the world, when we watch the news When we see the pain and suffering all around us, it's easy to be discouraged. And as believers, we have to have a different perspective because this world is not our home. We have an inheritance waiting for us. And one day he will return for us and we will enter into our final reward, which will be eternity in his presence. If we're going to navigate through the troubles of this world, we must fix our hope on him. Not our hope on our circumstances, not on hope and how we are going to navigate through those. Our hope must be fixed on Him. Jesus told us Himself, in this world you're going to have troubles, but take heart, what? I have overcome the world. We have a great promise in His life, in His death, in His burial, And ultimately in his resurrection, he conquered sin and the enemy once and for all and has established a firm foundation for you and I to plant our hope in Christ. We won't be tossed to and fro if if our life is firmly established in who we are in Christ and what Christ has done on the cross and on the word of God. Men... I think this is like watching a ball game that you already know the score to. Rewatching a game, if your team does something bad, if, if things go bad, you don't panic. Why? Because you know the outcome. Ladies, it's like watching a Hallmark movie. When the guy in the plaid shirt shows up, you don't have to wonder what conflict is going on. It's all going to be okay. They're going to live happily ever after. As believers... As true believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, those of us who accepted the forgiveness that comes only through His Son, we have many situations in life that are going to throw us a curveball. There's many problems in this world, but can I tell you the truth that we know about Christ, we don't have to panic because we know that in the end, our hope resides. Titus 2 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope of the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior. And Jesus Christ, who gave himself to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are what? zealous for good deeds 
zealous to obey the commands of Scripture, zealous to live for the Lord because we know what He's done for us. We're zealous to follow the commandments that He gives us. It isn't an obligation. It isn't a burden for us to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter continues in verse 14, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. Now the first phrase there is kind of a prerequisite for the rest of the verse. As obedient children, which leaves open the opportunity for disobedient children. This is where my three children get very concerned. What story might come out next? The truth is, as believers, we've all disobeyed. We're still walking around in our flesh. We're still figuring out and working out our salvation. But, but we have to desire and understand that we are a child of the Most High God, forgiven, bought with a price, redeemed, and knowing full well what Scripture teaches. We have to make the choice to follow His instruction. Peter says, based on your living hope, knowing who you are in Him, Prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope on him. And do not be conformed to the former lust. Your old life. Your old life of sin. Your old self. But yet put on your new self. Which is being renewed in the image of him. It's a work in progress. Can I stand here today and say I'm still a work in progress? All of us are still in the process of being conformed into the likeness of Christ. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Y'all know these passages. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There it is again, setting our mind on things above, so that you may prove what the will of God is. And that which is good and acceptable and perfect. You know, last week when we were in Anchorage, we began our partnership with Christ Community Church. And Tracy, the pastor y'all met during our Global Impact Conference, and his associate pastor wanted to go to dinner with David and I and talk about the future partnership that we're going to have. We arrived at the restaurant and they told us it would be a two-hour wait for us to sit down, which was not going to work for our schedule but they said there's this, there's this large table with 12 seats over here um, by the bar. And if y'all can get a seat there, then you can go ahead and, and eat. And as they said that, three seats opened up. We grabbed those three. We moved a chair. Kind of got down at the end of the table. And we were going to make it work so that we could eat. And so we're sitting there. And across from me, a man and a, a woman sat down and kind of began a conversation. You couldn't help it. You were seated at the same table. And they found out that we were pastors. And, and they, were, they asked David point blank, are you drinking tonight? And he said, no, I'm not. And it began a conversation between us and this couple of, do you believe that if you drank that God wouldn't love you? And so we were in this situation where we're on a mission trip and we're asking for opportunities to, to share about the Lord. Yet we had this really important meeting that needed to happen. And so because I was seated directly across from them, I began to engage Kevin and his uh, girlfriend or wife. I don't know the answer to that. And, and David went on and met with the pastor and associate pastor. So there was two separate conversations going on. I was kind of listening to what David was saying because I was worried what he was telling him I was going to have to do. 
And David was kind of listening to my conversation because he was so excited about what this guy was asking. This guy continued to share with me. He was intrigued and wanted to know more. He asked if I had ever drank before. He asked if, if I had ever been in business before, if I'd always known I was going to be a pastor. When he found out that I was in business and left that in order to become a pastor, he said to me, did you ever wonder you could have kept the money and stayed there and just gone to church on Sunday? Did you ever regret making that decision I was able to share with him that I have absolutely no regrets for following Christ. And I was able to, it, it was, I didn't share the gospel with him. He continued to ask questions, but he got the entire gospel that evening. For over an hour, we talked back and forth and back and forth. I wish I could tell you that he accepted Christ by the end of our dinner, but he didn't. But I want to ask you to pray for Kevin and his bride or his girlfriend Because they heard every verse that would point them to Christ. And they saw something in us to ask those questions. You know, you and I have a hope that the world doesn't have. And we have to be prepared to be able to share that hope. But one of the ways that they notice there's something different about us is when we aren't conformed to their ways. The whole conversation started because he was... Ordering a drink and we didn't. And, and we've got to live in this world but not of this world. So he tells us not to be conformed but he goes on in verse 15 and he commands us to be holy. 15 and 16. But like the holy one who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Be holy because the Lord is holy. Be holy because I've given you the example of holiness. And we all understand and believe that the Lord is holy, that He is sinful. And we all understand that we've sinned and fallen short. But we find ourselves still working out our salvation, still fighting with sin in our lives, right? There's this ongoing struggle between the spirit and the flesh. It's a constant fight that you and I still have. But the question is, is are we fighting that fight? Romans 7 explains the the fight, the struggle that we have. Beginning in verse 21, I find the principle that evil is present with me, the one that wants to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in my inner man, but I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We wrestle against flesh and and blood, but we've been given everything we need for life and godliness. We are not in this battle alone, but we are in a battle. And we must fight this battle against sin. Peter's given us an example. He's given us these commands. He's given us these weapons for us to be successful in our quest for holiness. We have an entire book here that shows us how we are to live if we're going to pursue holiness. If we're going to make decisions with spiritual eyes, with our, our mindset on eternity and on heaven. If we're going to live differently in this world. 
It's interesting to me that early on when I decided to get my life right with the Lord, there were huge glaring sins that I quickly dealt with. But then there were more sins that I still had to work on. Years later, there was more things that were being revealed. And can I tell you, he's not done using this book to show me areas that I still have to lay down and to change in order to live for him. We've got to continue to make radical changes in our lives as we work out our salvation. But the command, the goal, the expectation is to be holy as He is holy. And you and I must never be satisfied with where we are spiritually this side of heaven. Yes, one day we will be with Him for all of eternity and we will be without sin. He has redeemed us, He has bought us, He has purchased us in order to free us. From our former life. And we can't be satisfied to continue to allow sin in our life to remain. We've got to give His Holy Spirit permission by the power of His Word. To work out our new life in Him. Which leads me to our next point. My my opinion is the best way to motivate us to follow these commands. The best way to motivate us to pursue holiness in our lives. Is to remember the price that was paid look with me in verse 17 and following if you address as father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from the futile way you inherited from your forefathers but with the precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless the blood of christ For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Let's break that down for a moment. If we address him as Father, the one who impartially judges our work, conduct yourselves in fear during your time of stay on earth. If we call Him Lord, if we have trusted in Him for salvation, and we do, right? Galatians tells us that we cry out, Abba, Father. And we understand that He will judge us impartially. As believers, we're judged on earth by His correction, His gentle correction of the Spirit using the Word of God. But one day, we will stand before Him in the judgment of the believers and we'll give an account for our lives. 2 Corinthians 5 says, Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for the deeds of his body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. One day we're going to stand before him as we begin our time with him. And we've got to live with that in mind. Peter states that knowing he will judge us impartially, Allows us to conduct our lives in fear. The better word there would be in awe or reverence during our stay on earth. So many times we get tripped up by saying fear the Lord. That word fear is not scared or worried. Think about it in context of the next few verses. Where he describes in great detail his love for in which the father has loved us and has sent his son to pay the price for the sin that we owed in order to purchase us to himself and redeem us from the penalty of sin my three kids know that i love them 
They tend to obey my requests out of the understanding of the mutual love that I have for them. But they don't always, right? There are mistakes. This doesn't negate that there's not consequences for their actions, nor does it negate that our Heavenly Father is going to discipline us or to correct us in order to draw us closer to Himself. Oh, how He loves us so much more than I love my three kids. When we focus on the truth, that's not fear, but great reverence and awe that leads to obedience, that leads to holiness. When we understand the reverence and awe for His holiness and His great love for us, it's not a burden for us to work out these commands. It's a joy for us to strive after Him. Verse 18, knowing that you were redeemed, not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way inherited by your forefathers, but with the precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. The Bible states, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. I've already said that once. We see the sacrifice of animals in the Old Testament foreshadowing the ultimate sacrifice that would be made on our behalf on the cross by Christ Jesus. We were not redeemed by perishable things, but by the precious blood of the Lamb of God. We sang of it just a minute ago. I'm reminded of the hymn, Are You Washed in the Blood?, Over and over and over, we're we're reminded about how we have been redeemed. And Peter reminds us again, it was by the precious blood of Christ. Continue with me in verse 20. For he has foreknown from the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory. So that, so that your faith And hope will be in God. Why did Peter spend four verses recounting the gospel to believers? Because we've got to be reminded of the gospel. Because we've got to keep our mind on the eternal truth that he loved us enough to send his son. That we were only redeemed and forgiven because of his great gift. And because of that, now we get to live for him. We get to understand who he is. And enjoy the living hope that we have in Christ. And remember all of the truths of the gospel. This week in our small group on Wednesday night. We had a a group aging from 37 to 84 in the room. And it was a, a neat time for us to share with one another. And as we shared about our last week's message on contentment. One of the um, older guests in our group began to share about her morning time with the Lord. And sitting there with her worn out, tattered Bible, she began to describe what it was like to get up early in the morning and meet with her Savior. And to read, and to pray, and to hear from the Lord as He continues to speak to her and lead her and correct her and love her. She shared that in her life that she had had hard times, but without those hard times, she would never have experienced his great love and felt him wrap his arms around her and enjoy his presence the way that she did. 
That was based on our conversation about last week's message about contentment. But when we know the Lord Jesus and we set our mind on things above, when we recognize the gospel, then the world and its troubles begin to drift away. And our focus and our hope is fixed back securely right where it belongs. Look with me quickly in verse 22 and 23 and we'll see the overflow that this will produce in you and I. If we begin to live by these commands, if we set our mind on the gospel and we work out these commands in our life, one overflow that this will produce in each of us, we see in verse 22. Since you have an obedience to the truth, okay, contingent on your obedience, contingent on the truth of God's word, If you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. If you are working out your salvation and applying these truths in your life, Peter states that there will be a result. And the result will be a sincere love. For the brothers and sisters in Christ. Not just the ones in this room. Not just the ones in your family. But brothers and sisters around the world. Have you ever met somebody for the very first time. And upon talking to them. Realized that they were a believer in the Lord. And understood in that moment. That the spirit that lives within you. Is the same spirit that lives within them. That, that you share the same spirit. And therefore you have a common bond. You have a common ground in Christ Jesus. It's a great feeling when that happens. And, and Peter states that this will cause us, our understanding of the gospel will cause us to fervently love one another. Since we have in obedience purified ourselves. I'm reminded of Ezekiel 36. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart. And a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh. And give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will be careful to what? Observe my ordinances. With with our new heart. With the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. We have this last command here from Peter. That we are to love one another from the heart. Now this is. Easier to say than it is to do. The truth is, sometimes this is difficult. The truth is, sometimes we still have conflicts with one another. Sometimes we still have people that we have to very purposely determine that we're going to love. Many times it's because of our own thoughts and actions towards someone else. I sat down with a believer this week. And the believers stated to me that they were holding a grudge against another believer. That they'd never talked to that other believer. They'd never shared their frustration with that other believer. And they had no intent of being right with that other believer. But their expectation was to smile and to fake it. Can I tell you, that is not biblical. God expects so much more from us. And if we're going to love one another, we have to love one another enough to be right with one another. And sometimes that means understanding that we're part of the problem. We so often think everyone else 
is the problem. We are commanded to love one another and to live at peace with another. But we can only do that when we gaze into the truth of the gospel long enough that it evokes within us a deep humility. Only then can we begin to work out our relationships with other believers who are also struggling with their sin nature as well. I'm not proposing that we'll never have a conflict. I'm not proposing that we'll never disagree as believers. We know that that's going to happen. What I'm proposing is we have a full book of instructions on what to do if that happens. In transparency, as your associate pastor standing here and saying that we need to love one another and we need to always get along, there was an opportunity in Anchorage that that things got difficult, that situations came up that changed everything and all of a sudden it produced an inconvenience for me. Uh, An inconvenience for me that in my exhaustion I was frustrated about. And there was two or three people on our team that, that witnessed my frustration. Now all this happened because of circumstances that are really not important at all. It was it was it was a nothing moment. But I was wrong. My response that welled up within me was not the spirit of God overflowing of gratefulness for all that I was because I was a child of God. My frustration that rose up was my flesh that this inconvenienced me and now I have to go and do this, 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 and this. And if, if this hadn't happened, I would never have had to do this. It was all about me instead of all about him. However, because I had this book of instruction, because I knew the forgiveness that was given to me that I never deserved because I recognized the flesh that was happening in that moment, I went to those three individuals that saw my frustration. And because we share the same spirit, because we serve the same God, forgiveness was offered and received and the enemy lost his opportunity to divide the body of Christ and the Lord won just in that moment. And if we're going to love one another, we have to love one another even when we disagree, even when we have conflict, but we have the opportunity because we share the same spirit, because we have the same gospel, because all of us were once separated from God and now have been redeemed and are part of the family of God. And we have the living hope that one day we will spend all of eternity with him. And we will not take our eyes off of what matters and put it on ourselves. Now what verses do we need in order for us to love one another fervently? There are many, but I want to share a couple if I can. Philippians 2, beginning in verse 3. Make my joy complete. And being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose, do nothing out of selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look for your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. Romans 12, beginning in verse 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, be of the same mind towards one another, do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly, 
Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. And this is the this is the one that stings. If possible, so far as it depends upon you, you can't determine how others will respond. As far as it depends upon you, live in peace with all men. Finally, 1 Corinthians 13. We hear this at weddings, but it's right between 1 Corinthians 12, which was to the church, and 1 Corinthians 14, which was to the church. And I'm telling you, 1 Corinthians 13 is to the church. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love does not brag. It is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. Lost myself. Does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. But now faith, hope, love, these three, the greatest of these is love. And brothers and sisters, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you've been forgiven of your sins and are enjoying a salvation and one day the living hope that we'll spend all of eternity with him, that has to overflow out of our lives one to another. Peter closes out this chapter by heralding the word of God. It is the only way we can live out, it's the only way we can work out our salvation is if we read it, understand it, and obey it. Beginning in verse 23. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flowers fail. But the word of the Lord endures forever.